Welcome to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. I'm your host, Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a Bible teacher, a coach, and I'm obsessed with helping women take their place in the kingdom and use their God-given gifts. I go and tell gals, we equip and encourage women with different tools like our map to more guide, our group coaching program, go teams, and even by training other women as coaches through our licensing program. Whether you're a college student, a stay at home mom, a small business owner, an astronaut, or a veterinarian, our goal is that you lead this episode feeling more empowered to do what God has called you to do. We're so glad you're here and we're on your team. Let's jump into this week's episode. All right, friends, Jess here. Listen, I warned you last week. You didn't listen to last week's episode, episode 125. I told you at the end of episode 125 that we were going deep that week. And next week, we were going to let it be light. And so we're going to bring the light. We're going to crack the window open. We're going to pull the curtains back. We're going to turn the lights on, maybe turn the lights off. I don't know. This episode is one I have talked, laughed, joked, smiled about for months now. And we're finally here. I have my dear friend, JPH, with me. All right, back up. I just said the phrase JPH, which I say very quickly often. And when I say it to our friends, they're always like, huh? What is Because I just say it so quick. JPH, what's your name? Yeah. So JPH, it's my initials. It's my first, middle, and last initial. My real name is Jenny. Technically, it's Jennifer. No one calls me that. But 1970-something to the late 80s, Jennifer was the most popular name out there. And so freshman year of high school, I think it started, I think our English teacher called me that, or yes. like some sort of shortened version of it. Um, and you and I have been yes. friends since high school. And so JPH has just stuck to that name. And if I hear people call you Jenny, I do sometimes like look around. I would say at church, if somebody called me Jenny, I, I would probably be like, yeah. oh, I wonder if they mean a different Jenny. Yeah. That's how I am if somebody calls me Jesse. I'm like, mm-hmm. who are you talking about? No, I can. I- you can. <laughs> I don't, but I can. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> when you introduce yourself, do you introduce yourself as JPH? No, I probably introduce myself as Jenny, and no one ever calls me Jennifer. That would be strange. I'm not a Jennifer. It just doesn't really <laughs> fit. But I would say that Bright City, I'm a JPH. Friends from high school, JPH. Friends from college, JPH. I love it. Okay, we're going to dive in. Here's what we're talking about this week. Well, nope, I'm not even going to tell you that yet. Before I tell you what we're talking about, this episode may not be for you, and that's okay. And if at any point in this episode you think, I don't like this, this is not for me, then I would say, in the name of Jesus, I want you to feel so free to just turn it off. It's okay. It's not for you. Now, that being said, disclaimer over, here's what we're talking about. We're just talking about TV. We love it. We love TV. We love TV. We love TV. And what happens is that JPH, you are a deep girl. Yes. You love deep things. I want people to know I read books. You read so many books. Okay. We're going to go back. Yes. We're talking about TV, but you and I are going back. Yes. You should know you are my most longstanding friend. We've talked about this Mm -hmm. outside. And you might have more. You're a friend girl. But we have been friends for 20 years. 20 years. Two decades. We became friends towards the end of junior year of high school. Yeah. So when we were 17. Yeah. I don't have another friend that I am like in friendship with that I've known this long. 
yeah. that I like do life with. Yeah. So my best life now is a few years ago, you moved to Charleston. <laughs> now we get to be actual real life friends. Day not to day friends. Day to day friends. And again, you love deep things. You're very smart. Okay. <laughs> You're so smart. You love God. You I love do. books. I love God. I love books. I love books about God. You love culture. I love culture. You like politics. Politics, art, music. Yes. But what we talk about yes. is TV. It's not all we talk TV. about. It's not all we talk about, but I did in preparation for this podcast. I don't know if Gchat is still a thing, <gasps> but I found Gchats from us from circa 2009. I'm not surprised. Just like really quick. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Did you see this? Have you watched this? Have you watched this? What are your thoughts? Feel free to reply when you have time. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so... Here's why we're doing a podcast episode about TV. Because what you and I noticed is that when we are with friends, mm-hmm. especially not just us, especially not yeah, just especially us, especially not just us, we lead the conversation in TV. What I would say is that a lot of times our friends kind of look at us blank and they like kind of stare and they're like, oh, you guys, so you really like TV. And we're like, yeah, we do. And here's why you should like TV. Right. Yes. I would say there have been social situations where if people saw us across the room yep. in conversation or around a fire pit or on a walk, we are speaking with such intensity yes. that I am sure people think, wow, JPH and Jess are in it. Changing the world. What are they talking about? I want to come over. I want to be part of that conversation. And yes, I would say they are surprised (laughs) when they realize the subject of such fierce conversation is TV. TV. Okay. So I want to give my case for why I think people should watch TV. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll just say this. I'm not throwing my sister under the bus, but a few years ago, my sister was talking to me and Obviously, the Go and Tell Gals podcast is for women on mission. So it's for women doing hard things and using their God-given gifts in different callings, in different places. So one day I'm talking to my sister and she's talking about that, living on mission, how hard it is. It's so hard. And at one point I was like, hey, do you watch TV? And she was like, I don't. I don't watch any TV. And I was like, can I suggest something for you? Mm -hmm. Like, I said, I just think you need some time to like let your brain rest. And I think there's a lot of merits of TV right now, but I said, can I just suggest a few shows for you? And I will tell you, she got into TV. I don't think she ended up watching any of the shows I wanted her to, but it's okay. But she did start watching TV. I'm not talking about binging. I'm not talking about three day long TV fest. If that's what you do, that's your business. That's fine. I'm talking about like a show a night, you know, maybe four nights a week. Just turn off the brain for an hour at the end of a long day. But what we're going to talk about is the TV we like. Yes. Okay. Why do you like to watch TV? (laughs) I love to watch TV. You know, so I'm going to take it back a little while, which is I come from a TV loving family. Thank Um, God. Television has always been something that my parents, my siblings, we can rally around. We also, as women in our mid thirties, you know, we grew up with the phrase like must see TV. When you think of it, appointment television. This is something you yeah. gather around the television, you watch whatever's going on. And then in my family, we're going to talk about it. We're going to unpack it. We're going to talk about theories, all these things that I think now are really commonplace with podcasts, with blogs, yes. with recaps on websites that my family has always done that. Like the idea I love of watching shows together, talking about it, 
you know, what do you think is going to happen next? Why do you think that happened? And that that's something we've always done. And so I love going to that place now because I think you always can yeah. with television. It could be reality TV. It can be, you know, hour long dramas. It can be half hour you know, sitcoms. Yeah. Um, and I think that that line is blurred now anyway, just with the style of television that we have right now, sort of a golden age of television, which is a no reuse phrase, but I think pretty accurate for right now too. Yeah. So I love it for that. Just historically, that's what something my family really loves. I also love television because it is, like you said with Katie, it's prescriptive in some ways. Like it is, if I am feeling a lot, yeah. it can help calm me down. It can't, there are different styles of television. There are different reasons why I watch different shows based on how I'm feeling. I'm a nine on the Enneagram. So it kind of can numb out yeah. in good ways and bad ways. Yeah. Um, but television, I think is part of that too. Yeah. Um, it's other people's lived experiences. Yes. It's other people's ideas of what's entertaining. hundred percent. I think also, I think when I take stock of the books I love, the music I love, the movies I love, the TV I love, the people I love, strong narrative arcs are just, there's a common through line. A hundred percent. So I'm really interested in shows where somebody's trying to tell you something. Yeah. Um, sort of, if that's a moment in time, wonderful. If it is, you know, a girl's trip to a, an exotic locale, <laughs> I am alluding to the Real Housewives. We are <laughs> going to go there. I'm open to all of that. Where do you want to take me? Yeah. Andy Cohen, I'll follow. Well, I want to know. Yeah. Where so, are we going? What's someone else's lived experience? I yeah. agree. I couldn't agree more. Okay. I'm going to give my second disclaimer and then mm-hmm. we're going to jump in. My second disclaimer is my perspective is this, is that like purity cannot be legislative or legalized. Mm-hmm. So I believe like I want to like run after good and holy things and everybody has different sensitivities. So we're yes. obviously going to be talking about shows where there is like inappropriate language, mm-hmm. potentially very inappropriate things shown. Mm-hmm. You should not watch them if they are like offensive or hurtful or even just like discouraging for you. And you and I actually talk about this a lot because yeah. we have different triggers that Absolutely. are not great for us. I'll give you an example of mine. Like Law and Order, I'm out. I can't do it anymore. I can't. I want to. Mm-hmm. I used to watch it in college almost every day of my life in college. Couldn't watch it an episode of my life on it. I can't listen to true crime podcasts unless it's the murder murders. <laughs> it's the only one I can listen to. That is not funny. People getting murdered is not funny. Right. I'm laughing at the fact that I've talked to Jenny so much about this particular. About that. Yeah, it's a situation. Yeah. I, I think my threshold is similar when it comes to true crime things. I just haven't that's just not for me. Yeah. Um, and not everything is for everybody. And I think television is definitely a place where that comes in. And I'm willing to bet that what you loved about Law and Order in college, or what you at least got from it, you can find that in shows now where it's not as traumatic. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like this, that itch can be scratched, but in yeah. a way that's healthier for you. And we'll talk about this in a moment, but I realized it's actually not like violence that's hard for me to watch. It's sexual violence, sure. which is what I was seeing yeah. in specifically SVU. SVU. Yeah. Yes, episodes. Okay, so that's your second disclaimer. If you are like, I can't believe they would watch that. Like, it's okay. I'm really opening myself up here, folks, is what I'm saying. I'm telling you some things I watch and it's right for my sensitivity level. Sometimes I fast forward through things. Sure. Sometimes I Absolutely. turn it off. You know, sometimes I'm like, okay, that was enough of that. And 
I'm actually probably just not going to mention the shows that I've watched that I was like, that's not it for me, you know, because I don't want to put any shame on you. Right. But some of y'all Absolutely. watch stuff that would not be good for me. So we're all going to go after our own, our own levels of comfort here. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the one you and I talk about the most. Historically. Yes. Historically. Yeah, it, historically. It's not our, it's yeah, not the top say. anymore. Yeah. But I'm going to start with Real Housewives. Yes. Because we're already laughing, but I, because this is the other beautiful thing about TV that I constantly tell you is that like TV specifically real housewives is how I learn about women. I stand beside this, that I could write an entire, very well-formed Christian women's book based on what I've learned, like what we shouldn't do based on what I've learned from Real Housewives. And I would write the forward. I, you would kill it. You would do amazing. Let me give you a small example. Like if you if you talk bad about people, everyone is going to find out. That's a true story about Real Housewives because it's on TV. But also just FYI, that's a true principle in real life. When you actually talk negatively about your friends, like people end up finding out. So don't do it. Just don't do it because then you're that girl. Okay, What's your favorite city? Because there are whole cities okay. I don't watch. Absolutely. I actually, there are whole cities I don't watch either. Uh, or at least not continuously watch. Yes. I would say my favorite city, I'm going to need to, because one is fairly new on the scene, the other's been around for quite some time, which is the old school, for me, would probably be New Jersey. Yeah. I think that that has been such fertile ground for <laughs> conversation. <laughs> uh, I think that is a G-chat where... The infamous you, flipping you, yes, table. You I, and, I can remember y'all must have been in Washington State. We were. Yes. I don't know if you've seen it already, but Teresa flips the table. This is yes. an iconic moment yeah. in popular culture and in television. So New Jersey, to me, I will I will always watch New Jersey. I will always catch up on New Jersey. This is the second season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and I think it is the show for the moment that we are mm-hmm. in. It ha- It is so interesting. And you and I have discussed at length I think what's so interesting about Salt Lake is that we've never had a city where a cast has something in common just across the board. Um, and I think for Salt Lake, it's just really interesting. And I think that that one thing they have in common is just the impact of Mormon culture in Salt Lake. Yes. Um, and you have members of the cast who are enthusiastic members of the Mormon church. You have former members. You have people who practice other faiths. And that in, in an area where one faith is so prevalent is really interesting. So many casts are put together just based on like, hey, maybe this person would be interesting and maybe this person could you know, make a splash. And it's rare, I think, to have one background common thread, even if they all experience that common thread differently. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Cosign. So you talked to me into watching Salt Lake. Yes, I did. You sent me a text and said, I don't think you've watched it. Your life is busy. You're missing out. And I was like, okay, I'll go in. But I will co-sign on all of Salt Lake. Absolutely my favorite season of Real Housewives. There's things to be said about like, okay, we're this deep into the franchise. So they're all very like self-aware that they're on a reality TV show. So like that's hard to handle because there's like, you know, glam and all the things. But that being said, if you want to know I'm speaking specifically to women in ministry right now. Like if you want to know what people, what other women think about God, and if you want to know what other women think about 
church. And if you want to know what like real women, like not women just like you who are like in it, but if you want to know what like real honest women who like maybe aren't in church leadership or maybe aren't in ministry, if you want to know what they think about the gospel, you need to watch Real Housewives. I'm thinking, let's go back to Real Housewives of OC when Tamara Mm -hmm. became a believer. Mm -hmm. And she was like trying to explain like, this is the change in me. Every couple of seasons on Real Housewives, somebody like finds Jesus. And so hearing them talk about that experience is fascinating and beautiful sometimes, but I can't agree more. Real Housewives of Salt Lake, you're dealing with like true gospel centered issues like shame and can't like church trauma and like, are we enough? And you're dealing with like church abuse and like, I mean, it's fascinating. There's a lot of meat on that that bone for sure. And I think too, as you mentioned, we are pretty deep into the franchises. Yeah. The show has been around in some iteration for a really long time. But I think what Salt Lake City does really well is we have Heather, who is kind of like an audience surrogate. Feels like she's one of us. She's like, one of she, us. Like she's watching it, but not so much in a way that she's trying to control the storyline. Mm-hmm. And I think that that makes her a really endearing cast member too. Yeah. Love that, Heather. Okay. Any other honorable mentions that if somebody's like, I've never watched Real Housewives, mm-hmm. I think it sounds crazy mm-hmm. that you'd be like, go watch blank. Sure. Like a particular season or another yeah, season? Yeah, either one. Oh, gosh. I would say for sheer escapism, I think Beverly Hills is just really interesting. I think that there's some sibling dynamics on, Be- on Beverly yes. Hills that are really interesting with Kyle and Kathy. Oh, Kathy Hilton. I love her so much. Yeah. I think that one's really interesting. I think the season that kind of took Real Housewives into a different stratosphere is probably, I think it's the third season of New York, where Scary Island. Scary um, Island. If you're familiar with the Bravo universe, Scary Island might mean something to you. That just (laughs) nothing scary. I mean, it was scary socially. It was not. But also this is relatable because this is what happens when like six women go on vacation and add alcohol and stress. Mm -hmm. Like many of you have lived this story to some degree. To some degree. Yeah. It takes everyday things that I think we all encounter. It ramps them up to a ridiculous level, but in a way that the ridiculous aspect of that It's like, oh, yeah, you know what? It is weird to travel with friends. It can be hard. It can be like who sleeps in what room. Who gets what room on any Real Housewives trip is a situation. It's a whole deal. It is a whole deal. And, yeah, I think that's definitely what I love. I would co-sign on Beverly Hills. I can't suggest Salt Lake enough. Mm -hmm. But I want to just say one more thing to the skeptic. Are you going to say Potomac? I love Potomac. I actually have never watched Potomac. Potomac is a revelation. <laughs> okay, good. Maybe that I need to go there next. Yeah, I would go to Potomac. Next. Are there politics? Because you know, I it love the DC area. Yeah. Um, what are there politics? There was actually a franchise, a Real Housewives of DC, that never. Yes. Off yeah. I wouldn't say that there are politics involved in it beyond sort of the typical social. Yeah. Stuff, but incredibly compelling women. And okay. I think that, like bottom line for me, that's one of the things I love about Real Housewives. Where else? On television, are you seeing cast, entire cast of women over the age of 35? Right. They're not out there. They're not there. They're not there. And I would say that, like, the younger, the housewife cast member, not the less interesting she is, but you've got to to commit to being on the show to be what would be considered a good addition to a cast. You have to have lived some life. Yeah. You can't just, like, show up and say, like, okay, 
here I am. Let's right. I'm interesting. Right. And I think that Potomac, just everyone's so interesting. I would want to have coffee with everyone. Okay. I'm going to watch it next. So here's my last thing I would just say about Real Housewives. If you're still a skeptic, I mean, you know, did you that's, go, okay. well, that's fine. Live within your own boundaries. Do what's healthy for you. Mm-hmm. I would say, though, if you want to get good at handling conflict with mm-hmm. women, this is a really great, I mean, because I would say there's so much of the shows that are not relatable, right? Like there's so much that's not relatable. It's not our realm of understanding. It's not how we live. It's fine. But what is relatable is like the missteps they make in mm-hmm. conflict. Mm-hmm. And you just see, like you and I have talked about this ad nauseum. Like, I think I have learned how to apologize Absolutely. watching yeah. Real Housewives. Because yeah. all you have to say is what the line that everyone says on Real Housewives is, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings. When really all you need to say is like, I meant to do that and I knew it would hurt your feelings. Yeah. And I'm very sorry. Yeah. I might still actually do it again, but I'm actually going to work on that thing. Yeah. Instead of saying like, oh, or like the number one line on Real Housewives is like, my intentions were good. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't. No one's worked. <laughs> Yeah, they were bad. Your intentions were bad. Intentions are what they were. Yeah, they were what they were. Just say it. But I would also say, like, I feel like I've learned how to, like, go humble, like, with Mm -hmm. people. I feel like I've learned how to say, like, listen, that really hurt me. Instead of immediately responding and, like, bristling and talking bad about someone. Because that's actually what real women do. Like, we actually struggle with conflict in this way. So, okay, that's my last thing I'm going to say about Real Housewives. Let's move on, or unless you have another thing. I just think reiterating the idea of the non-apology comes up a lot on Real Housewives, especially in reunions. Because how many times, we don't really get to experience this in real life, where you are on couches with people that you've filmed Right. That never happens. But the idea of we have all now watched yeah. on television how this scenario went down. Yeah. I'm seeing, and now granted, there's editing involved and you can get a bad edit or that is very favorable. Right. But you're watching it. You're hearing the words come out of your mouth. And as the viewer, you're watching, you're like, well, she really needs to apologize for that. Yes. And there's one particular, Roberta Singer, for example, is famous for the non apology yes. or the apology that is so quick and just sort of, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. And it's just like, that's what gets my heart pounding. As yes. Just like that's not an apology. And we know too, what we are supposed to do is again, apologize for the actions that hurt someone. Yeah. And also the action afterwards of repentance yeah. of like what you've apologized for. Take it there. That you did. Yeah. Even if your intentions were not Come on. to hurt them. But you, they were hurt. It doesn't yes. matter intention-wise. They were hurt. So how are you going to address things differently? Yeah. It wouldn't be a great t-shirt, but like it would be a true t-shirt if we made like a go and tell girl t-shirt that was like your intentions were bad. Your intentions <laughs> were, but they weren't good. Your they intentions weren't good. Were, well, oh, yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to move on really briefly because we just have to, because this could be six episodes. I'm going to start with this. We're talking about Yellowstone. Yes. I want to tell you that I thought I was going to hate Yellowstone. Sure. Same. I also want to tell you guys something else. I I feel no shame about this shame off me, but I do want you to know that the godliest people I know watch and love Yellowstone. They love Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. And we're going to start with why. I'm not going to quote the actual person because I didn't ask for their permission. But a very godly friend of ours has a mother-in-law who is also very godly. And she explained it very well for us. Mm -hmm. And she said, we love Yellowstone because it's characters of biblical proportions. Yes. 
they do amazing things Mm -hmm. and they do horrific things and they're doing it all because they're trying to change the world in a really twisted way. Like they're trying, they're actually doing what they think is best. There isn't a lot of like pure selfishness in Yellowstone. There's always a reason for why they're doing it. There's a bigger picture. And it's very, it would oversimplify things to say like, oh, it's greed. It's not greed. It's It's, not. It's a lot of protection. It's, It's a lot of projection and protection. It's a, it's, uh, and I feel like one of our first conversations about Yellowstone before that truth bomb was dropped about the biblical element of it. I went into it thinking like, well, this is a ranch and there's a family. So this is going to be very Shakespearean. This is going to be King Lear. This is who inherits. This is, you know, I'm going to watch this because I happen to really love modern tellings of Shakespeare. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Once, that conversation came up of this is like Old Testament wrath. This yes. is this is biblical in its scope. That was such an aha moment for me. And I enjoyed Yellowstone already. Yes. But ever since that conversation, I have been just like, wow. Yeah. Wow. This takes it to a different place because then it's not just saying like, oh, okay, this is a Shakespearean interpretation, right. a Western. It's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. So I would say on the same vein, like I'm not just making this up. One true thing I love about Real Housewives is like learning about how women interact. Yes. One true thing you can love about Yellowstone is seeing their like absolute worst and occasionally at their best, how families oh interact. Gosh. Like there's so much to say about birth order and about mm-hmm. family wounds mm-hmm. and about like family of origin. Or, I mean, there's just, there's like, you could write essays upon essays. Yeah. yeah. What else do you love about Yellowstone? Visually, it is stunning. It you is. You are taking a cinematic journey. Yes. There's nothing else on TV like it visually. And for us specifically, as women who live in like Charleston, mm-hmm. South Carolina, it's so other. It's, it's so, so elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. And, they're, and they're at the mercy of that. It is a very physical. Yellowstone is a cast member. Yes. You know, the ranch is a cast member. The setting the location is a cast member yeah. um, and interacts with characters yeah. just like any other character would, which I think is really fascinating too. What else do I love about Yellowstone? I could go on and on. I love, love the family dynamic. Certainly. I love the dialogue. I also feel like, I feel like the women on Yellowstone are really strong. Yeah. Um, are really well written. Taylor Sheridan, who created the show, I think writes really interesting, strong women. And yes. he, if you've seen the movie Sicario. Um, I think he's. I haven't. Uh-uh. Um, I have read a lot about Taylor Sheridan yeah. recently. He's I'm fascinated. He's thing. fascinating, and he's also on the show. Yeah, he's which on, is great. Like every show, I think it's 1883, which is the prequel. To yes, it, which I have not jumped into, but I will. He's an actor in it as well. That's what my mom said. <laughs> my, mom, <laughs> my mom would not steer me wrong. No, no, she yeah. wouldn't. And he's just fascinating. I'm just an amazing storyteller in what feels like a really old school storyteller tradition. Yes. And okay, what I've been reading about Taylor Sheridan. Okay, so if you have no idea what's going on with Yellowstone, it is modern day set on a ranch yes. in Montana. Yes. And it is essentially like an epic battle for land. Yes. That's what it's about. But Taylor Sheridan has the writer. He writes it, right? I think, yeah. I don't yeah. know if he writes every episode, but, but he's like the showrunner. I can easily Google that. Yes. <laughs> 
feel comfortable saying. Okay. <laughs> That's an actual job. So it is. I think it's his. Producer. Yeah. I mean, he created it. It's he did. His. He created it. At the very bottom line, it is his brainchild. Yes. Sure. Well, he has an unapologetic, like, agenda to help the American people understand, like, the sovereign ownership of like Native Americans over the land, which is if any of you are watching and thinking like, what else is here? Like we happened one night and we were telling our friends about this. We have a friend who is like very interested in the like rights and history of Native Americans in the continental U.S. And so we were telling her, she was like, oh, well now I have to watch it. And I was like, yes, you watch it. And you're like, this is such a bigger story that obviously is happening like so much longer before this family. And it is, it's like a biblical proportion and it's justice and injustice and right and wrong. And like, ugh. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, I think one of the things that I think getting that message across or how to express that is that so John Dutton, who's played by Kevin Costner, who's wonderful. Yeah, um, he will often spend time with his grandson. Yeah. And I think the explanations of just family history and like how they even got to where they are is such a good primer for okay, explain it to me in yeah. simple terms. What are we talking about? And right. take as a, like a storytelling mechanism to say, here's this grandfather talking to his grandson where it's going to help you understand yeah. what the overall thesis of the show is, which I think is really interesting too. And I think, I think their casting is spectacular. And yeah. I can't imagine anyone else playing these roles in this last season. And I don't think this is a spoiler, but I mean, spoiler alert. There is a woman who comes in, she's kind of a new business woman in town. They've got plans to sort of develop this land. The actress is Jackie Weaver, I'm pretty sure. And she's spectacular. And she's also known for really different sorts of roles from this. This is someone who, like, she's not very tall and her yeah. voice is kind of not meek. She's an incredibly powerful woman. But she's also, like, I've encountered her in other sorts of roles. And yeah. I just think, I watch, I think, how amazing is this woman who, even if I disagree with her and what she wants to do, but not necessarily how she talks about it. Yeah. This actress is just spectacular. And what she brings to the table, you can be sort of a velvet hammer. Mm. You can, whereas our beloved Beth. Yes. It's not a velvet hammer. She's just a hammer. She's just uh, a hammer. There's no yeah. velvet about it. There's yeah. no velvet about it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to end our Yellowstone yeah. discussion with this just confession is that I have two Yellowstone t-shirts mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know like a cheesy t-shirt that yeah. you get that like I have two of them that's how I feel about it that's where my level of two, love it's a two-shirt level it's love. a two-shirt level love yeah. now I'm looking at our notes for this episode mm-hmm. right now and speaking of two-shirt level love yes what is wrong with me that I didn't put West Wing on this list because I also have two West Wing t-shirts and my mental notes like West Wing was always going Okay. Don't worry. I've only referenced Wesson on this podcast like 50 times. Mm -hmm. I've Mm -hmm. referenced it on social media. Mm -hmm. I like text people quote from West Wing. Let's just rapid fire it. Let's give it its due. Let's give it its due. It's my favorite show on TV. How many times have you watched it through? All the way through, probably four. Okay. But then there's kind of like, I do this with lots of shows where it's like, it's almost like having a playlist yeah. of the music where if you know you need comfort or you need energy. And there are some shows, some specific episodes of West Wing that for me, I know I can always go to. Yes. Serotonin boost. Yes. Or I need to feel, I need some good snappy dialogue, a rapid fire, a walk and talk. Give me a good walk Give and talk. Give me a good walk and talk. And I'm like set for days. Like yeah. that's what I imagined 
being an adult to be like when I applied to college. I'm pretty sure I wrote one of my essays about wanting to be CJ Craig. Yes. For any of those, for anyone listening who knows me and my aversion to conflict, it is hysterical that I thought White House press secretary would be something. <laughs> that's like, let's, let's put that. Maybe I want to be the White House press secretary. Absolutely not. But like she was just, everybody on that show was really influential, I feel like. Yeah. Hey friends, Anna from Team Go and Tell Gals here. Hey, I'm interrupting this episode to tell you about an incredible new tool we're loving. I promise it's relevant to this conversation. While we love TV and the lessons we learn from our favorite shows, we'll be the very first to admit that sometimes our minds need a rest to bring us back to reality. If you're enjoying this episode, but could sometimes use a little break from watching more TV or scrolling social media, because who couldn't? Then you've got to try Abide. If you haven't heard of it, Abide is the number one Christian meditation app, and it's an app that's actually life-giving. For a limited time, you can get started with 25% off a premium subscription by downloading the Abide app at abide.co slash gals. You'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. Support the show and get 25% off by going to abide.co slash gals. That's A-B-I-D-E dot C-O slash gals to download the Abide app and get 25% off your premium subscription. Now back to the episode. Thanks for listening. Okay, I'm going to give my rapid fire reasons. I could do 10 episodes on West Wing. I could do 10 podcast episodes. Yeah, we could do a whole season of the podcast on West Wing. Here's my rapid fire. It's my number one favorite TV show in this whole universe. So that's it. Said and done. I should say that. Reasons why I love it. Number one, I love watching people do things that are much bigger than themselves. And there's nothing better than West Wing. Mm -hmm. I love watching people want to do really big things, but having to deal with really small things Mm -hmm. and like working through that. Mm -hmm. I love the dialogue. It is like the ideal presidency in that you just can't convince me that like wherever you land that you wouldn't love Bartlett. He is the ideal president. Like, he's incredible. He's thoughtful. But the number one reason why I love West Wing as a woman and as a woman on mission is because I am so tempted by everything in the world to play small. Mm. And that is like the understory of President Bartlett is that he is like constantly tempted to play small. He's constantly tempted to play dumb. He has all these inner wars with himself as like, he never wants to be too intelligent. He never wants to be the smartest guy in the room. But the problem is he's actually a genius. He is the smartest guy in the room. I am actually never the smartest guy in the room, but watching him, I'm constantly reminded that like, I do no one any good Mm -hmm. if I try to play small. And I just, I love it so much. Well, and I think you look at the team, he has a symbol. I mean, I yes. all of us wish, I mean, the idea of the executive branch of government, like the actual White House, it's, you have your cabinet, you have your team that you've assembled. Very rarely in real life do we get to like assemble our team. Right. Um, I mean, maybe we do, but you get to see that play out in a really interesting way. And what made me think of that is this. One of, like, the rallying cries of West Wing is let Bartlett be Bartlett. Yeah. Uh, Like, that is the encouragement of his best friend, his chief of staff, Leo. Yeah. Leo, we love you forever. Leo, like, that's when he went to 
Bartlett said, I think you should run. And like, this was a whole conversation. It's like, what are you, tell me more about that. Like, what's the, the conversation around running for president? And it's let Bartlett be Bartlett. Like, let, let yourself be the smartest person in the room. Or yeah, there's a really great cathartic moment when he's running for reelection and his, oh, <laughs> I feel like I could quote this entire uh, episode. Yeah. yeah. His opponent is beautifully played by, I guess it's James Berlin. I don't know his name. Yeah. It's James Berlin. It's Father of Thanos from the Marvel Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, is just a very different person and a different kind of candidate and has different ideas about things. And they have this moment where like they run into each other. Is it backstage at a play? It's backstage at a play. It's backstage at a play. And they have this confrontation where you know that Bartlett has been weighing the pros and cons of like how he wants to approach this campaign for reelection. And there's like a definitive moment where he's just like, Nope, we're going to, yeah, we're going to do this all the way. We're going to be for the fences. The other candidate says he finds out that one of Bartlett's secret service Mm -hmm. agents has been killed. Simon has been killed and Bartlett's just being nice to him. And he's saying, Hey, I want this to be a fair campaign. Like, how can I help you? Here's some advice I want to give you. By the way, one of my secret service agents was killed tonight. And the other candidate says, boy, crime. And wow. Yeah. And Bartlett says, and just for the record, when you said boy crime, that was when I decided to kick your yeah. Beep. Mm-hmm. And because he just knows like mm-hmm. this job needs someone who can say more than like, boy, crime, I tell you, yeah. you know? Okay. Some of my favorite West Wing quotes. Ooh. I wish I knew the whole monologue. I wish I had the whole thing memorized, but I don't. I've like stopped multiple times in my life and made someone else watch Bartlett's monologue in this would be like season three, maybe mm-hmm. after Miss Landingham yes. dies in the Epic speech in the national cathedral. Yes, he's in the cathedral alone, and he's also what you should know about President Bartlett is he is deeply Super spiritual. Yeah. He's so Catholic, but he also like deeply loves spiritual. God, consults God. Anyways, Yells but at he's God in Latin. yes, but he's mad at God, so he starts like yelling at him and and actually what I believe to be like very faith filled way because he's wanting questions and he calls God a feckless thug. Mm -hmm. Just that phrase, like you feckless thug. I'm like, that is Psalms. That's the Mm -hmm. Psalms is what that is. You know, that's a favorite moment for me. I mean, I also love Bartlett's, what's the word? Not predecessor. Who comes after them? Yeah, but what's the word for that? Successor. (laughs) I also love his successor a great deal. But also something else about West Wing, no unstrong women. Mm -hmm. There's not an administrative assistant that doesn't have like a backbone in the West Wing. Yeah. I love his wife, Abby, who is played by Stalker Tanning. She is wonderful. Yeah. Um, And it's really interesting. She's a doctor. She, they have, I think, three daughters. It is. It's just, there's every characters, even the characters who just kind of swing by for a couple episodes or yeah. there are people who re- show up recurringly and you're always glad to see them. Just like, oh, there's Nancy. Yeah. Oh, uh, Nancy uh, McNally. Nancy McNally. Oh, what a great woman. I just have a bunch of honorable mentions. Yes. What am I missing from this list? You are missing what may be the first show I prescribed to you once I moved to Charleston, which is um, Shit's Creek. Oh, uh, what is she- wrong with me? <laughs> And I say this so you know you're talking about telling Katie, like, I think you should hear some shows that you should watch. You were, is it Girl for the Job? 
I don't remember. You were I was traveling. Yeah. And I, it was girl for the job. And I was, I, yeah, because I had just moved here. Yeah. Um, and I said, I think just like hotel rooms while, like, while you're out on tour. You said it's a great plane it's show. It's a great plane show. The first three episodes are world building. Stick with it. Yeah. If you love this show too, you know, the first three episodes are not bad by any means, no. but you're just, you need to meet these people and kind of understand the dynamic before it really digs in. So yeah, I would say shit's great. I'm so upset with my list right now. Why am I missing everything this from this list? In which probably both you and I at some point in the next 24 hours will like text each other and be like, how could we have missed Blank. Well, the big other glaring one that I'm missing is why can't I literally remember his name right now? Ted Lasso. Yes. What's wrong with me? Why is it Ted Lasso on this? Because when we think of Ted Lasso, our hearts swell to a We're size. sad. It's just, We're, we, it's, it's magical. Too much. Yeah. It's, it's so much like, how can you name it? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. How can you, how name, can you it? name it? And it's still happening. It's still in our hearts. It's not a done deal. Oh. There's one more season. Yeah, we're gonna be okay. You, ha- if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, you just have to watch Ted Lasso. And you've heard people tell you that. So you, you know, and you don't care about just, sports. We don't either. I don't. That's not true. Either. She does. JPH yes. loves to sports. To me, if you love college football, you'll love Real Housewives. But I could that I could do a season on that too. Yeah, but Ted Lasso is there soccer in the show? Absolutely. A little is the bit show about soccer. No, no, not even a little. No. I my love for Ted Lasso and every single character. It is deep. It is true. Yeah. Um, it is a philosophical show. It yes. is um, a show with so much heart, but it's just so genuine. Yeah. Um, it is real Coke versus Diet Coke, and, and that is coming from people who love Diet Coke. Um, <laughs> it, like, there is no fake sugar. No. It's all it's all the real thing. It's uh, all the real and thing. It's, and it's in the perfect doses. It is. And it's magical. It's a fairy tale. Okay, on my list, I have Downton Abbey. Yes. If everything we've listed, you're like, I can't. I can't do it. Then you can do Downton Abbey. That's now, right. I would say, I think there are some triggering episodes of Downton That's Abbey. Without a doubt. I, there are some that I can't watch yeah. anymore. There's some sexual violence. Yes. There's at least one episode that I can. No, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one and then like the like, aftermath. Yes. Yeah. That is like a whole season. But, right. You're not going to find any coarse language. You're not going to find any over nudity. I don't think there's yeah, any nudity. You, I would say if you find yourself, if you're the kind of person who loves the 1995 six part Pride and Prejudice from BB and C, from BB, I do. BB and C, what is that? BB and C. BB and C. So yeah, if you love the 1995 six part BBC Pride and Prejudice, you'll love. It's just there's a lot of heart on that show, too. There is something for everyone, I think, yeah, on that show. I think so, it too. It is a gentle show. It is a gentle great. show. Other holes, if we're talking, like, serotonin versus dopamine, uh, in terms of, like, <laughs> both things are, like, yes. happy chemicals. Great British Bake Off. Yeah. It is It is the weighted blanket it of is. Netflix. It, it is, is the weighted blanket of Netflix. It gives you the comfort that you need. It's You're right. It's not going to stress you You're out, right. with the exception of when Ian threw out his baked Alaska. Oh, Diane took it out of the freezer. I know. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, but I would say you're going to get one good like stress kick in every episode sure. that, that makes you feel better. Absolutely. Like you're like, oh, we're good, we're good. 
I mean, because your heart is in it. Yeah. Right? Because like, you care about people. There are people we care about. There are yeah. things we want to see happen. So Great British Bake Off, I think, is great for that. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes. Love it. I, I love um, it. The new season, they're dropping two episodes at a time instead of the whole season at a time. Okay. I know myself. I know my Maisel consumption pace. Yes. I am waiting for all of it to come out before I watch any of it. Okay. We are watching Maisel, and we are re-watching from season one, episode one, while we wait for them all to drop. The Catskills episodes of Mrs. Maisel, if the show was only those three or four episodes, I would be fine with just rewatching those three or four over and over again. Also, again, if it fits your sensitivities, because Maisel's got, I would say what's interesting about a lot of these shows, I think you and I have talked about this, is that a lot of shows have like their strongest nudity in the pilot. So just know that is also true about Maisel because Nick and I started watching it again and he was like, whoa, we watched the first episode. What's happening here? And I was like, remember, this is just the first episode. You see some breasts in the first episode (laughs) and then you never see a breast again for the rest of the show, which is just interesting. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like, it is. It's very, so just know the same with Yellowstone. Yes. There's nudity in the first episode. Yeah. And a little bit later on, Rip and Beth just really love each other. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it's but it's that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Beth just has a hard time keeping her clothes on in general in Yellowstone. But she's just like a sweet feral cat. Like she's just alive and awake with tension so, and power and yeah, pain. Yeah. Um. And so doesn't know what to do with it all. The I time. know it's not always channeled in a protective. Yeah. Productive direction. So it's hard for me to get ill about it. But anyways, just know that's true about that. Same with Maisel, the first episode. I only know that because we just watched it again. I was like, oh, whoa. Where are you guys? What season are you? Well, I think we're in three now. Okay. We may have to end up waiting a little bit. But I can never get over, again, the theme of Maisel of like, this multi-dimensional calling. Yes, absolutely. No one's just a mom. No one's mm-hmm. just a wife. No one's just a this. Like there's something more. You can run after it. You can be brave. You Like, you know, it's there's just so much there. And just the dynamic too. Again, I love the Catskill episodes. My favorite character, other than Luke Kirby's portrayal of Lenny Bruce, Le- which Lenny Bruce is a real person. Which I just found out last night. I feel like I failed you because <laughs> I, I feel like I failed you because no. I didn't tell you that. Yeah. So real, real person. Who, real again, person. This isn't a spoiler. He tragically dies very young in real life. So oh. I start to get nervous because he's such, to me, he's like the fairy godfather of the show. Like he kind of, whenever she needs like some magic. He's there. He's there. Well, I just watched the episode last night where he kisses her and then he says one more time before I die. Or he says, at least one time before I die or something like that. Uh, do they kiss in that? What, the Miami episode? Uh, they don't kiss. Do they no, kiss? They don't. They do I was not like, kiss. I was holding my brother. I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. Uh, but they have like this incredibly romantic I didn't know he died yet. I'm sorry. He just does. He's going to die in season four, isn't he? Not if they follow the actual timeline. Time because okay. I think it just became 1960. And I believe he passed away maybe a few years after that. Okay. But he is like a magical character. He really is. It's almost like magical realism, just the literary device of it, of he just shows up. There's nobody. There are a few characters now who are real life comedians who I think Wanda Sykes, for example, the comedian she portrays, I think in the season three finale, is a real person. Wow. So there are some real people coming up. But Lenny Bruce is kind of that commentator. Other than Lenny Bruce, I love the character of Dr. Benjamin. So much. Benjamin Edinburgh, I think, is his name. Yeah. She meets him in the Catskills. No spoilers. I love that character. I love how he sees her. Yeah. And yet, again, I guess this is a spoiler, so I don't know. Fast forward 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, 
their relationship just it's the wrong time or it's the yeah. wrong person or whatever, even though yeah. he's really supportive of what she wants to do and yeah. is, is dazzled by her. Dazzled by dazzled her. Dazzled by her. Um, but that's not necessarily what she needs in this mo- in that yeah. moment. And that Oof. is a tough pill for me personally to swallow because yeah. I love them so much. And, and I love her, and I want to know why they couldn't work it out. And then I have yeah. to remind myself that they are indeed fictional characters. I know, supposedly. So, to say. So – I don't have any more honorable mentions. Do you have any that we have to throw out? You know what I really enjoyed? And I say to someone who, I don't have kids. I thought that the Babysitter's Club yeah. on Netflix, the redo of it is really charming. I haven't watched um, it. It's just sweet. It's just sweet. And if you read those books, I think you'll enjoy the TV show too. Okay. Again, in the vein of this is not going to be for everyone. Uh, I know we mentioned earlier, not really... I don't really do murder shows. Yeah. I don't really do murder shows. My exception, and I hope I don't sound like a monster, <laughs> is that if the murder is British and in a whimsical country, okay, like country setting, and like someone who is not a detective is solving crimes with a motley crew of like fellow villagers, I'm on board. Okay, uh, wait, what is this? So this is uh, Agatha Raisin, which is in the I haven't even season. heard of it. I love lots of British things, so I have a subscription to Edcorn TV. Okay. I love it. The fourth season just dropped. It is Ashley Jensen. Who, so if you watched Ugly Betty, she was yes. Betty's best friend and sort of stylist at the magazine. Okay. But she was somebody who was at the top of her London PR game and decided to retire and move to the Cotswolds. And as we are at least led to believe in any small town, be it Maine with Murder, She Wrote, or Agatha Raisin, there are just tons of murders to solve. <laughs> <laughs> tons of murders for amateur sleuths. Oh, um, and I'm so, so glad people aren't being murdered as much as TV would lead us to believe. Yeah. That's true. So I think that's a great one. I think Playing House, which was on USA for three seasons. This is totally new and fresh to me. love it. And I need to figure out how you can watch it because I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I think you can absolutely buy it on like iTunes um, or Apple. It is, I will say this bold statement, which is, I think it is the best portrayal of female friendship I've ever (gasps) seen in television. Okay. It's created by Jessica St. Clair and Lennon Parham. Yeah. Who are real life best friends. Wow. And have been friends for a really long time. They're both comedians and actresses and writers. Not comedians like stand-ups. They're just really... They have such a gift for comedy. And they the second show they created together, the first one was called BFF, which I loved and owned the whole first season, but it only lasted one season on NBC. But Playing House is spectacular. This is the problem. I could go on and on. There's a show called State of the Union on it's not political though. That's it's a it's a it's a a hint. (laughs) Um, it's a wink, if you will. But it is a show, and I think the premise I feel like you will love the sentence that's about to come out of my mouth, which it is 10 episodes that are 10 minutes long. And it is the 10 minutes in a pub in London or in England, 10 minutes before a married couple goes to their therapy session. (gasps) Uh, That gasp is genuine. It is true. It's written by Nick Hornby. So famous writer. Wow. Um, It's on Sundance channel. Okay. um, AMC plus. It is. This uh, is fascinating. (gasps) She's a delight. She's yes. a girl. She was Jane in the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Um, like, I read books. No, those are, just, <laughs> those are just the film adaptations of famous books. And Chris O'Dowd, who played everyone's favorite police officer in Bridesmaids. He's just super Wow. Tired. And it is, it's so fascinating because it could be a play, I guess, but it's 10 minutes 
it's the 10 minutes before they go to therapy. There is a reason why they are going to therapy and it covers like 10 weeks of therapy and like the unpacking, but you never, it's just so quick and so clever. And so it's 10 minutes. And then what I think might be one of my favorite 30 minute shows of all time. I break them up into like 30 minutes. Yeah. 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 Happy endings. Did you watch happy? Endings? Never literally happy endings was the not follow up to friends. Friends had ended happy endings, which is David Casp created it. And Casey Wilson, who I adore yes, is Penny. She's one of the main characters. Damon Wayans Jr. Is on it. Adam Pally, like so many amazing, amazing actors are on this show. The premise of it is there's a couple in this friendship group and this happens in the first 30 seconds. This ruins nothing. She leaves them at the altar. And so how does that change the dynamics wow. of friends, like a group of friends? Yeah. Um, can you have your quote, happy ending? Um, wow. And that's just the premise. The whole show is not about their relationship, but hilarity ensues. It is just, it is belly laughs. So I would say like, that's a mix of if, if you like Schitt's Creek, if you like irreverent. Yeah humor. That's a fun one too. I love it so much. I can't say thank you enough for giving us out of your wild knowledge. This is so much fun. This has to go somewhere. I know. I pray in the name of Jesus. I really hope you guys have been blessed by this episode. I mean, last week was deep. Guess what? Next week's deep too. Next week, we're talking to Bob Goff about living undistracted of all things. And I have to say, for what it's worth, by the time this episode airs, we will be fully into Lent and I'm giving mm-hmm. up streaming TV <gasps> for Lent. Okay. Yes. That is a beautiful journey. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be watching. Are I will keep watching a, a show with Nick. Great. But I'm not watching anything on my own. Okay. I'm not watching anything on my phone. And I'm excited to see. So all that being said. You're not going to watch anything where you could be prompted by Netflix. Are you still watching? There's not. That's no streaming. Yes. Okay. No, str- no streaming is what I mean. I'll watch one show a night with Nick. We usually watch a show again, like four nights a week. Okay. Yeah. But other than that, I won't be watching anything. Or like if my kids want to watch a movie, I'll watch a movie with them. But nothing on my own. We'll see how it goes. But I just want to say thanks for coming with us to the lighter side. Yes, I love it. <laughs> we would love to hear from you. Did you like this episode? Well, we don't, don't tell us if you didn't. We just pray you did. And if you didn't, you turned it off in the first few minutes and it's fine. Sure. Next week, we'll go deep again. But sometimes it's good for us to just be whole women who have whole personalities. I pray wherever you're at that you feel loved and seen and encouraged and equipped to use your God-given gifts right where you're at. God is mighty in you. We love you, friends. Bye.